0: In 2015, the Michigan Legislature passed a series of bills allowing state-funded adoption agencies to employ policies that align with their faith, even when their faith ran contrary to popular social opinion or state equality practices. Effectively, Christian adoption agencies are now allowed to place children with families where marriage is between one man and one woman. As you can imagine, this was terribly controversial. Conservatives pleaded religious freedom, while progressives cried about a lack of separation of church and state. Stephen Monsma, the professor at Calvin College, asks, quote, As Christians, how should we react to legislation such as this? Is it an unjust exercise in discrimination? Or is it a commendable effort not to compel faith-based agencies to act contrary to their religious beliefs? Considering these questions requires us to do some careful thinking about the nature of diverse, free society and how God calls his followers to relate to the society in which he has placed them." We rarely appreciate how our community, whether black or white, Protestant, Catholic, Presbyterian, or charismatic, we rarely really appreciate how our community informs our understanding of sharing power sharing space, resources, decision-making, and more. As Christ followers, we can do better. We must do better. We need to nurture a better construct for us to deepen our understanding of how we can stand tall on biblical values and comprehend our contextual realities while making room for the diversity that comes in a democracy. Nuance is a podcast of The Collaborative, where we wrestle together about life beyond the walls of the church, especially at work. Here we wade into the muddy waters of the public square itself with special attention given to the work of our hands, our careers, our vocational efforts towards the common good. This season, we are exploring what is meant by the public square, particular to four characteristics of Christian citizenship, common grace, prophetic voice hospitality, and today our topic, principled pluralism. Now, principled pluralism is an an idea that all the various people groups within a democracy have principles upon which their view of the common good rests. For democracy to be sustainable, then the culture and government it operates within, hopefully, helps this plurality of principles to be respected. In that plurality, my witness as a Christ follower at work finds a way to remain intact. But in God's economy, also commands me to learn, to dialogue, and find common cause with others. Well, today I've asked Andy Blanchard to come and share with us from a therapeutic perspective, since the lines between principles and emotions are often indistinguishable especially today. Andy is a licensed mental health counselor with almost 20 years of experience. He works with adults in every stage of life and specializes in marriage. I've known Andy long enough as my own counselor to know that his in-depth abilities far exceed his specialities. Andy's experience is undergirded by his Masters in Counseling from Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando, Florida. Most of all, Andy has a keen insight into the diversity of our workplaces, the convictions and emotional journey of our hearts, and helps us to find a way forward to bear witness to Christ in a winsome and effective manner. My name is Case Thorpe, and welcome to Nuance. Well, again, my name is Case Thorpe, and welcome to today's episode, Crossland. Good to have you. It's
1: great to be here, Case.
0: And Andy, welcome. Uh, So, our audience knows you are my counselor, and I love you and how much you've meant to me in my life. And um, I know you've got good things to say. So, thanks for being here today.
2: Thanks for having me on the podcast.
1: Well, Andy, we love to begin by giving our audience just a sense of, of of you personally. And so if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why you enjoy your work as a therapist or a counselor.
2: Sure. Um, I've been a counselor for over 20 years. And before that, I had some ministry opportunities, both with youth and with adults and small group circumstances. Uh, but I really enjoy the counseling aspect because you get to walk with people through some of the most Uh, highs and the most low lows and uh, walking through them and hopefully providing a great partner in their journey, Uh, get to see the gospel working out on a daily basis as God works to redeem and restore things that are broken in our lives. And it's challenging in a way that requires and encourages people to continue growing. So it's, it's just a lot of, it's challenging, but it's good work. So really enjoy it.
1: Well, I know we all greatly appreciate when people are walking with us, particularly through crises. Um, So thank you for your work. Uh, As we think about our topic today, um, I just can't quit thinking about a quote or a comment a friend of mine gave to me the other day uh, when he said, when we Christians think about our lives beyond the church we tend to have a greater affinity with our political party than we do with our theological beliefs. And while sadly, I would concur with my friend, um, I think that's further fueled by our inability to properly distinguish our emotions from our principles. Um, And so the question for you is, how do we help ourselves in separating our emotions from those principles that should be respected?
2: It's a great question, and I and almost to answer it in a different direction, but probably along what we're talking about. And I don't know that's entirely possible to separate your emotions from your beliefs. I think we have to factor them in as an integral part of how we make decisions, uh, because there are so many decisions that we make in life on a daily basis, and the bigger ones that we make that seem to have the most impact on us are appropriately emotional, and so I think divorcing it one way or the other, where it's just a pure logic and I'm just going to make it on principle or I'm just going to make it on emotion. Those are both kind of fallacies because it's inaccurate. It's just not a really good reflection of how we actually go about day in and day out. There's always a mix of those two. And so we need to raise our awareness of how our emotions affect our principles and how our principles affect our emotions.
0: Mm. I was moved by hearing Tim Keller recently talk about how anger is one of the highest expressions of love because you care. Even Jesus got angry. So anger is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just the most visceral response of love as opposed to apathy, that when you don't care, you don't get angry. And so that makes me think, okay, if I love this principle, this way of being or doing, and I get angry about something, that's not inappropriate, but how do I contain it or direct it in a way that doesn't impact my coworker.
2: Well, I think that it's good to have the anger response. It's just, is it, is it appropriate to the, the level of anger? Is it appropriate to what I'm actually being angry about? Because a lot of times we can get worked up about things that make us angry, uh, because we're listening to people that uh, share our belief system or share our particular Political persuasion, and they—they they, their intent is not necessarily to foster love and care for others. So much it is to to continue restating principles to the point where they become more like a dogma or a you know a core belief that you can't tread. Mm. I think when we let our principles escape the bounds that we need to hold them in, from the standpoint of we need to love our neighbors. And so if I'm not loving my neighbor well by blowing up at them because they have a different political belief or a different space than I do, I'm missing the larger point of what Jesus was kind of really sharing with us about how we love our neighbors is really how we're going to be known.
0: Can you give us an example of maybe a client you've worked with where this was a real struggle for them and how you guided them? Um, I think it's struggle. I mean, certainly not
2: specifically for a particular client, but I can generally speak of people that I've uh, counseled with because I counsel with people all across the spectrum. Conservative, liberal, libertarian, apathetic. I mean, from a political standpoint, I get the whole gamut of folks and all of them have interesting relationships with God. Um, But how they're how they choose to kind of if they get sidetracked on being more and more political about things. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It becomes a bad thing when it becomes intrusive in the rest of their lives. All they do is listen to one form. They're only Mm -hmm. listening to one media source or there maybe they have two. Um, and they continue just they just kind of continue to consume that. It creates more anxiety, it creates more anger, it creates more because um, that's what keeps us coming back for more media is if I'm afraid of something or I'm angry about something, I'm much more likely to tune back in to see what might have happened in the last 30 seconds since I looked at my phone. However, For most of those folks, taking a fast from some of that social media, from some of that television media or talk radio or whatever that is that's kind of fueling that sometimes helps them reset and get back into a space where I'm not quite so anxious walking into the day and I can bring more of my full mind, my full heart to the conversation rather than just kind of being wound up for the next disaster that strikes politically or geopolitically.
0: Well, the political for sure is so electric right now. Let's think about the workplace. So one of our listeners might be on the assembly line or at a boardroom or work dealing with their colleagues. And we're seeing so many different principled positions like on race or principled positions on sexuality and gender. So what would you say to someone in your workplace? How do you find the common good when? You know, somebody is coming from a very different point of view on some of these hot topics. Um,
2: I think a creative way of engaging people that are coming from a dis- different position is to be very, very curious, sincerely curious about them. Mm. These, the, the beliefs didn't kind of exist because they're consuming the wrong media or they're not listening to the right sermons or they're following the wrong theology. There's, there's more to the story, like they probably have personality, they, not personality, they have more of their person or their personal experience has has shaped and molded some of that. And I think the way we can engage conversation in that, and I think that's really a big deal is having conversation, is to be curious about it, deeply curious about what that's about for them, What asking good open-ended questions of them. Well, where did you come up with this? What makes this so important to you? Can you help me understand why you feel so passionately about this? Those are great questions just to kind of continue drawing them out. Uh, because one of the things that I've observed for most people is we don't feel like anybody listens. Especially when we start talking about politics. Mm. Especially
0: yeah.
2: when we start talking about something that I know you disagree with. You get the, you know, I have teenagers at home and they kind of give you the tune out face, you know, that teenagers are famous for. Um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when they give you the tune out face it's like because you're talking and 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 you're not listening and listening to what they're sharing is a way of actually loving them well even if you don't agree being respectful and curious is very honoring and very dignifying for them
0: Okay so you talk about listening uh okay you got a client they're in your office and they say they say to you I, I don't know how to listen um, I just erupt or all the thoughts, the contradictions come, what do I do?
2: It's a great question. I guess I would explore kind of what goes on in me if I'm that person. I want to know what's going on in me that I that I can't listen to them. And if I'm expecting other people to listen to me, what holds me back from offering them that same level of respect and courtesy? Um, because we've lost some of that ability to have Um, positional conversations that aren't personal in a way that become attacking. And so uh, because I've married so much of my principle to my person, it's it's hard to separate at times and understandably so because they're very important topics and issues and things that are going on that we very much identify with. Being able to have that conversation requires that I develop those skills for me. So I would say if that's something that you're struggling with, you got to look at where you have the opportunity to look at what holds me back from being able to sit with somebody who I disagree with and at least respectfully listen to them. And why would I expect that in return from them if I can't
0: offer it to them in the first place? I love that. I've married so much of my principal. To my person. I wonder what about these times? uh, Are we marrying our principle to our personhood any more now than maybe in other ages? Or are big events in society just causing us to face those things and question them more? I'm not so sure. Or are
1: we being selective about which principles we're marrying to?
0: Mm. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, because love your neighbor isn't one that I think many of us are married to. Um, And therefore you see the, you know, the lack of respect, lack of civility. I mean, Andy, I've had people tell me, well, I, I have a friend who depending upon the topic, if politics comes up, she'll, she'll get up and leave the table. And I don't know how to encourage her, honestly.
0: Cause I just think that's, is it because she's trying to set boundaries or she knows she gets too upset?
1: Well, I think she would say she knows she gets too upset, but I think it's, I think that's a cop out. My gosh, we're adults. We need to sit at the table. Mm. Um, And I don't know. I don't know how to encourage her.
2: Well, it's, you know, everybody's a little bit different. And so obviously your friend has some strong feelings about things. Um, not knowing her or kind of where she's coming from. But I think in a a principled fashion, fashion, we want to kind of create a space where, hey, I'm good. And you may have to pave the way with our friendship will survive our differences of beliefs. I'm just really curious about what makes this so important Mm -hmm. for you and start to draw that out. Um, Recent experience, I think in the last, I mean, certainly in the last 10 years, but over the last three years with COVID and all of the siloing of our thought processes, you know, social media silos us into different buckets by what you like and what not. The algorithms are not designed to give you a diversity of thought. They're dev- designed really to give you kind of a, they want you to keep coming back for more. And so if I find things that you like and give you more of them, you'll stay on my platform longer, which means I can sell more and generate more revenue or whatever that looks like. So we're, we're battling against the way we even receive our information now. Um, and not that that's the, the topic of this, but it's an invitation. The one-on-one is an invitation to kind of come and let's have a conversation. Let's learn to be civil with each other. Let's, you know, even as people are moving from church to church or something else has gone on and they're deeply wounded about something, it's like, uh, I remember sitting in a small group many years ago uh, where one of the couples announced that they were going to get a divorce and we kind of knew the backstory of what was going on in their relationship. But that was really shocking for, you know, five married couples to sit around and one of the five to tell everybody they were getting a divorce. Uh, one of our friends, without missing a beat, basically looked at them both and said, well, we're not picking between the two of you. We're not going to pick one to be friends with and one not to be yeah. friends with. Well, we're going to love you both, even though we may not agree with what you're choosing. And I I think that's a really interesting illustration of here's how we can move intentionally into spaces that are difficult because that's a messy circumstance if there ever was one, much like Mm -hmm. politics. Mm -hmm. Right. And how Mm -hmm. do we commit ourselves to loving our enemies and loving our neighbors?
0: So earlier you said, I've married so much of my principal to my person. When you give that example of the couple in your small group, I hear the response of the others. I love your person, regardless of your principles, um, regardless of your choice with this difficult marriage situation. We're going to love you both. I think I mean, I think if if we're
2: looking at where we are, as you know, in America and, you know, whatever flavor we're in right now, being accepted in your space is really significant. But accepting your person doesn't mean I'm accepting all of your ideas as well. I'm loving your person, but but if I've if I've made those two synonymous, and so if you love me, then you have to accept all of my choices. I would disagree with that. I don't think that's that's really that's really a high bar to say I agree with you on everything. I love you regardless of whether you vote for the candidate I want you to vote for or not, or whether you support the initiative or your feelings about a recent uh, court ruling or not. I love you regardless doesn't mean I always agree with you, but I still love you.
1: Yeah. You know, you had said earlier that one tip that people might want to consider, particularly if you're struggling listening or there could be other things to take to sort of fast from your newsfeed or your social media. What are some other tips that would really help us, uh, you know, sort of police ourselves so that um, our principles stay intact and the emotions stay intact, and that we we achieve the balance that we need to have in order to love our neighbor well.
2: It's a great question. I think, I guess from my perspective, you have to seek out people to have conversations with, you know, and they may not be mm-hmm. in your kind of group or tribe or whatever your little community is of really engaging people because. The more and more we're connected through devices, the less and less we're actually connected in reality. And I think some things about having devices and texting and tweeting and all the wonderful posting and things that we can do are great. But some of it is really enables us to kind of take shots that we can we would say things online that we would never say face to face. Um, Right. So I think from that standpoint, the more we break out of this sense of isolation by having conversations with people, like your friend who doesn't want to talk politics, well, maybe we have to warm our way up to getting there just to build some trust back into our interpersonal interaction.
0: But I would also apply that to seeking a conversation partner whom you know may hold a different point of view, but somebody who's safe and can have a conversation and know that they love me uh, even above beyond my principles. Um, I have found myself drifting or leaning away from some friends that I know love the principles more than the person. And so that's not kind of the relationships I want to be in.
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think those are harder to be in because they're they're kind of leaning against the very space that you're trying to avoid. Um, You know, the enemy becomes not necessarily that the person is the enemy. It's the kind of the orthodoxy, if I can use that term, like the being so principally minded that I've lost sight of the people that I'm really talking to are actually people. Yeah. And they wake up in the morning and they, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. also, you know, usually have a cup of coffee or something before they go to work and they pay a mortgage and they have concerns and they have hopes and dreams and fears. And it doesn't mean that we should abandon our principles and just mm-hmm. love people willy nilly that, that, that doesn't work either. It, it has to be both. And so that tension between those two yeah. constantly continues to shift us one way or the other. So for someone who's more principled, it may mean that I have to spend more time really loving and caring for people. But for someone who's more loving and accepting and just kind of will accept anything, I may have to move more towards, well, what do I actually believe? Am I just avoiding it because I'm you know, not doing any kind of intellectual due diligence on my own part to, to quantify what my beliefs are, really understand
0: mm-hmm. Okay. I want to take that to somebody's balls because then you get the whole power dynamic. And there's an individual whose boss has very different principles on some certain social issues. Clearly, there's got to be some degree of harmony if you're in the same workplace working towards the same product or service. But you begin to wonder if the boss's choices for your company or even in their HR review of you is coming from those that other principle set. Um, how would you encourage somebody to cope with that? Well, that's a, I mean, that's a, that's
2: a challenging question. It's a challenging situation for that person. I think to a degree, I would encourage people to continue to be curious about what's going on around them and ask the question. Uh, It depends also kind of on what industry they're in and, you know, how much demand that the industry is from just a practical standpoint of, can I afford to lose my job? Um, Because some very principled individuals would say, well, you need to quit because it's not supporting the values that you have. Um, but there's also a space where, you know, you got a mortgage to pay and kids to feed and people to put through college and that sort of stuff. So, I mean, I think there's certainly a diversity of enough places to work that maybe I'm looking long-term for a different place. Uh, but the other spot is really being salt and light in a space that needs salt and light. Um, and so I don't have to be principled and outspoken about it, but if I'm respected and I'm, and I care for people, well, it, it, it may actually end up becoming a, um, a space of an opportunity to to have a different, engaging conversation with that person, while still being very respectful of other people's mm. beliefs in the midst of it.
0: And clearly, this is like a typical workplace, not at a church or a political <laughs> campaign, where you know <laughs> we're here because of principle, right? Well, you know, but even <laughs> in that, oh, if only mercy. that
1: were true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Andy, let me. Uh, you know. You've brought up some great points and great things for us to chew on. Uh, But I have to say, you know, whether it's coming out of COVID or this huge influx of work that has happened as a result of post-COVID, I think a lot of people are kind of where I am. And that is we're exhausted. And this idea of, okay, I now have to go seek out conversations I've got to figure out how to listen better. I've got to, I've got to love my neighbor. I don't like my neighbor. You know, how do you, (laughs) you know, how do we kind of fill our, refill our buckets, if you will, so that we've got the capacity to be more faithful in the space, the time and space where God has called us?
2: Well, I think you're leaning into a space of, uh, of what? It gets thrown around a lot, but self-care and the idea of, okay, so how do I allow God to minister to me so that out of the overflow of God's grace in my life, that that can minister to others? And so if I'm not doing the spiritual disciplines that, you know, that are essential for my own faith and well-being, much like our bodies, right? If I'm not working out and if I'm not eating well, I won't continue to fit into my pants long term. My doctor continues to give me do better notes. You know, (laughs) those things are kind of we know that like I can't eat apple pie every day, even though I would probably like to. Um, However, at the same time, if I'm not taking care of myself spiritually, like am I am I worshiping corporately with others? Am I spending time in prayer? Am I spending time in the word? Am I really leaning into community where I can be encouraged? Then I'm trying to give out of my own strength and that in my experience, always looks ugly. Um, when I when I allow myself to be yeah. at the end of my own strength and I give out of the overflow of what God provides and I just have to pay attention to, then there's, actu- there's actually lots of energy there to do things because it's not mine, it's His. God provides what I need in those moments and He provides above what I need to minister to others because it's not me doing anything, that's God doing it through me. So I, I would encourage people. Case, like, if that'll preach. Yeah. Yes, that will preach.
0: <laughs> and, and easier
2: said than done, totally. But it's that deal of like, it, if it's really coming out of the overflow, then, then I get to participate and just kind of ride the wave with where God's already moving. And that takes the pressure off mm-hmm. me to be so faithful that I am the one that, that my faithfulness is somehow carrying the day. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure I know that my faithfulness will not carry the day. It's God's faithfulness to work through us that will.
0: Well, and one of our convictions, and this is what we build into everything with the collaborative work is the spiritual formation. And yeah, self-care is an element and the popular word right now, but God has known from the start how we are made in communion with him and how important that is. So um, with each one of these podcast we create a spiritual formation tool and if you're listening or watching go to our website and click on that because it will be built off this episode and and help you go deeper but i i hear you andy i mean you've helped me and recognize the value of the interior life the need for such rhythms uh our society embraces physical working out but uh, the the inner life the spiritual working out is there could you speak to some of your personal practices and rhythms ah, sure
2: i mean i don't know that they are you know poster worthy as a inspiration but it's certainly a learning edge there um i find that for me uh i don't do well sitting still um a lot of people talk about having a quiet time and you know really being able to do that well for me my quietest times are actually when i'm walking or running um clears my head and it gets me quiet enough in my heart to really listen, uh, mostly because I'm trying not to throw up. Um, But, you know, that that's okay. (laughs) Because it's, (laughs) but, but it does, it does kind of tune out some of the other noise in the background. Um, And sometimes it's just being in the con, you know, being in the fellowship of other people who are, you know, who I know like and trust and who I can share things with also is very encouraging so whether it's deep and meaningful or lighthearted, and we're just having a good belly laugh those are great places to recharge um ironically you know um right our small group this year is reading through the bible and so kind of challenged each other and right now i'm in the middle of ecclesiastes which does not always seem like to, to be the most encouraging book on the planet um (laughs) But at the same time, it's kind of encouraging in a deep way that if if everything is like a vapor, then we should enjoy simple blessings that God gives us in having a meal with some friends and having uh, connections with our family and having opportunities to be together and worship and serve those simple things of being present in the moment, I think, really can allow us to experience what God's doing right here and now. Because I can't go back in time and experience stuff that God's already done other than to remind myself of that of his faithfulness. And I can't worry so much about what's happening in the future because I don't know. Mm. Um, You know, certainly the last three years should have taught us that if we haven't learned it before. Um, So encouraging people to be present in what's Mm. going on in whatever circumstance. For me, I find that when I'm when I'm walking or with friends or I'm doing something that I really, really enjoy that helps. Um, But even when I'm not, just being present and focusing on being right in the moment, I think gives us the great opportunity to see what God is actually doing here, rather than worrying about what hasn't been
0: done or what needs to be done. That reminds me of something I often repeat from C.S. Lewis, where he writes that um, the sin of living in the past is the sin of regret. Mm. The sin of living in the future is the sin of lust, not necessarily sexual, but just the longing, the wanting. And how uh, God is not a God of I was or I will be. He's a God of I am. And so that living in the present, in the moment, and what a healthier, better place it is to be. Crossan, I wonder, could you just speak to some of your rhythms for your spiritual formation?
1: Oh, well, <laughs> I'm going to echo what Andy said. I don't know that any of it is poster worthy, but um I have learned tricks over the years about how to keep my attention and focus, and I do better when when I write things or journal them. Um, not my thoughts, but prayers or prayer lists or those kinds of things. Um, and try and once a week, <clears throat> excuse me, once a week I do try to take a few minutes to sort of clear my mind and my heart and really kind of bring before the Lord? What are those things that are really burdening me? And surprisingly, it took me a long time to be able to get to the point where I could honestly answer that question. I wasn't trying to be dishonest with God, but I just, I was either moving so quickly or pushing things down or something. But the practice of that has really helped me go, okay, these are the things that are bothering me this week. What are some of your practices, Case?
0: Well, I I like to journal, and I've just filled up one, and I've got some new ones in the mail, and I hope they get here soon. And that relates to I've been working in the practice of a silent retreat every year, and that's a full five days in February. But I was encouraged to also do a little mini three-day check-in in the summer. And so I actually, tomorrow... Leave for that, and that's why I want my new journal to get here. <laughs> um, but during those times, I have a, a the blue book, it's a devotional book that works one through different topics and has scripture and other writings related to that one topic. Um, worship music, I just it really speaks deeply to my heart. So, and, and all kinds, I love the old hymns of the, the faith. Uh, but also, like um particular contemporary artist Corey Asbury, oh my goodness,, uh, if you're listening, go listen to Corey Asbury's songs. his the words and the things he unpacks have just in this season spoken so very deeply to me. so um also, and I'll tell you, I mean, I'm not trying to push our spiritual formation tools, but it's been in doing this work with the collaborative that I've been exposed to so many more helpful tools to work somebody through a period of time, like St. Ignatius prayer of examine, because, you know, I'm a little ADD and all over the place. And so I like the structure. I need to be taken into the heart of God through a series of ideas, thoughts. Um, Anthony, uh, not Anthony, Andy, (laughs) you talked about, um, not sitting still. I love walking the labyrinth. And some folks may think, oh, that's too new age. It's not about the shape. It's about the getting my physical body, doing something purposeless so that then my mind and my heart can focus on the Lord. So one day we're going to get one put in at First Presbyterian Church. One day, one day.
2: But I think those are all, those are all, I was just to say, I think those are all really wonderful things because everyone is a little bit different. And so if you're struggling to find your space of what works for you, use the guidance that is provided and, and, then, and then make it yours. You know, God is very personal about that and how we connect mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. We're so anxious to share, uh, to compare ourselves with everybody else. And <clears throat> that does not help being present with him. Just, you know, I so appreciate both of your perspectives on it because it's different than mine. And that's great. I love that.
0: Well, and counseling, I love going to see Andy and processing. I've also got a spiritual director who is kind of like a coach to hold me accountable, to push me on uh, spiritual God-related things. So it's good. Well, Andy, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being with us. Really enjoyed it. Thanks again. So Crossland, I really enjoyed how Andy took us to the heart of the emotions. And that's a unique way to look at principle pluralism. We're in a vast and big democracy, and we've got a lot of principle groups out there. So um, I just see the connection between the big idea and how democracy works, but also my particular role in it. And it does come down to my uh, expression of those principles in a healthy way for the common good or not.
1: Yeah. I mean, you think about his, one of his last comments was be present in the moment. And there's not a caveat there or a parenthetical that says, well, only if you like those people you're with in the moment, you know? (laughs) And so um, I just think we need to keep in mind that, you know, we run across a wide range of people every day. Um, And if we're not, maybe we think about how we can do that but even in the grocery store as we interact with cashiers or other people we're not having conversations about politics but um you know are we are we loving people uh well and um and I just think you know principle pluralism sounds like this big academic idea and we just need to be mindful that
0: mm.
1: it impacts all of us um mm-hmm. and we need to all be, aware of how we're living um, our faith out.
0: So a few years ago, one of the collaborative programs we did were the six-question luncheons. And I'll never forget, we had Mayor Buddy Dyer of Orlando. And I was asking him about his uh, the the praise he received for his uh, actions right after the Pulse nightclub shooting in 2016. And I said, why do you think you as others observed instinctively, made some good moves. And he said, well, I'll tell you, I had been out to the mosque, the big central Florida Islamic Society uh, headquarters. And he said, I knew uh, uh, Imam Morsi. And so because I knew him and we had a relationship, then in that time of emergency, we got on the phone and we had some common understanding. Now, not everybody's mayor, <laughs> and it's not so easy necessarily to go find those others and to get to know them. but um I think you know that's been a practice I've had in my life uh, when I've wanted to have a better understanding or well, go form a relationship with somebody in that group and push through and work through the differences, but also, like I said earlier with Andy, knowing somebody that's going to love you as a person more than your principles,
1: yes, and I also think bringing it back to work, the question is, do we know the people we work with? Mm. You know, someone said to me recently, I don't pray for my coworkers. I don't even know what I would mm. pray for my coworkers." So mm. I would just say, you know, do we know what the big nut is in, in the people that work around us? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, not just, you know, what are they struggling with work-wise? But also, you know, have you asked them, you know, how... Yeah. You know, how's your marriage? How are your kids? You know, there are all kinds of easy questions Mm -hmm. that will elicit, hopefully, a more personal response so that we can begin to actually genuinely relate to one another.
0: Um, Like the company retreat or picnic. Um, I know a lot of law firms will do a big beach weekend. Sometimes folks roll their eyes, but those times matter because you get to know each other as humans. Yes. And if you know each other as humans, well, then the project that we're clashing on is not that big of a deal because I learned to know and respect you as a person. Right. Right. I've even been intentional over the years when I know, gosh, we're very different in some ways. You know what? Um, Let me have that individual and their spouse over to my home for dinner with my wife or let's go to lunch or let's find ways to be human. And it helps us then to work better together.
1: Well, and I think the other thing that Andy so eloquently addressed is that if we're not inclined to do those things, that probably says something about our interior and Mm. that we need to be taking care of our interior life, as you phrased it, or maybe that's Andy's phrase. But, um, you know... I know self-care is, you know, kind of a bad buzzword these days, uh, but there is something to it. So if you don't like the term self-care, fine. Take a personal inventory. And if you have a bad attitude about loving your neighbor or reaching out to your colleagues or praying for your colleagues, begin asking yourself, what is the deal? And pray that the Lord would show you and would guide you. Um, and begin doing some of those things that Andy talked about as just sort of, uh, good,, um, good disciplines to incorporate.
0: We believe strongly that great conversations can stir hearts and minds. To further encourage this, we've included a link in the show notes to a spiritual formation exercise related to today's discussion. Help us spread the word about Nuance, like the show, share and subscribe so others can engage. Nuance is a production of The Collaborative, the faith and work ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Orlando. Nuance is produced by Candy Goat's P.J. Weary and edited by Zach Baldwin. Music composed and performed by Fletcher Wilson. Nuance is made possible by the generosity of the Eleanor and T.W. Miller Jr. Foundation. For more episodes, visit CollaborativeOrlando.com, our YouTube channel named The Collaborative Orlando, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about our three different fellowships, vocational guilds, and other programs, to subscribe to our newsletter, our bi-monthly blog, visit us online and join us on social media. On behalf of Crossland Stewart and myself, thanks for joining us. And remember that most of life is not black and white, but rather lived in the nuance.